Hello and welcome to Fact and Suspicion. I'm your host, Ben, here with my co-host, Dan. And normally this is the part where I tell you what mystery we're discussing tonight. But things are a bit more complicated with this one. There are so many crimes committed within the context of this story that it's actually difficult to narrow it down. Now, we will mostly be discussing the murder of a Japanese student named Byakuwa Togami. But again, there are so many other crimes. This story is just wild. Uh, before we get, get too far into the episode, I do want to say I'm really sorry if any of you hear the birds outside. They're, they're going crazy today. It's, it's the 1st of April. Apparently spring is here, and I don't know what we're going to do with the birds going forward. If they don't shut up, I have some ideas. I hope, I hope they won't show up on the recording, but if they do, we are very sorry. Yeah. And we probably also want to add a content warning to this. Uh, this is pretty graphic, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. This is one of the, it, probably the worst case we've ever, we've ever covered. It's just horrific. Uh, some of the, some of the things that happen in this are just like stomach churning. Right. So if you are, you have an aversion to blood or horrific violence, basically if you're a well-adjusted human being, this might not be the episode for you. Okay. But if you're like us, you should just check it out. Right. I mean, please watch. So, I guess we should get started, Daniel. There's a lot to cover here. So, the story begins with a class trip to an island resort for the students of Hope's Peak Academy in Japan. Are they, are these younger students or teenagers? They're teenagers. Okay, so it's like it's called a high school? Uh, it's called a high school. I don't know exactly how that translates. I, I don't know how the schooling system in Japan works. I don't know what grades that would be the equivalent of for us. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a high school. Okay. So Hope's Peak, for those who don't know, uh, is a school for gifted students, uh, sometimes called ultimates. Uh, ultimates? It's a crazy term. I, I assume it's a poor translation to English. Japan's a weird place, man. Yeah, well, I, I guess there's definitely some cultural disconnect there so right hey that's part of the reason we're covering this right yeah. i mean we've, we've done so many cases from america and europe right. thought we'd expand our horizons culturally enrich the audience culturally enrich ourselves right process. Okay. so uh, so each student uh they're known as ultimates right uh each of these students is naturally gifted in some area and the school is designed to nurture that talent so, for example, there's Mahiru Koizumi, the ultimate photographer, uh, Kazuichi Soda, the ultimate mechanic, and Obuki Miyoda, the ultimate musician. It seems to be hard for one school to specialize in all that stuff. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. But somehow they manage. Right. Uh, I mean, from what I understand, it's a very prestigious institution. So I guess you could do some really interesting projects with students with so many different specialties. Right. You know? Like that, I yeah, I, I should probably look into that more. Yeah, I mean, that maybe, maybe we should try that. I mean, it can't be much worse than our education system. Let's not get started on that. If we get into politics, we can't do it. Right. So I just, I just wanted to give you a few examples. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of the students who were here, uh, but just so you get the idea when we just, when we talk about ultimates, because we'll probably use that just as shorthand on occasion, just so you know what we're talking about. So the goal of the trip was for the students of class 77B uh, to, get to, know, to get to know one another, to bond, become friends. But this island paradise 
quickly devolved into a nightmare. So what, how did it get started? What happened really that, that caused this? So initially the students did exactly what you would expect. They hung out at the resort. They made friends. They did what teenagers do, right? Oh, yeah. And then, and there's just, there's no way to sugarcoat this, right? Their teacher was murdered. Oh my God. Right in front of them, by the way. That's terrible. It was horrific. Uh, now, do they have another chaperone? Or no. Just there alone it, now? W- it was just them with the chaperone. You see, she was murdered by a small, malevolent, mechanical bear oh my God. named Monokuma. That's this. That is a mechanical. Yeah, it was a robot, a robot bear. That is. Oh my God! They have that shit in Japan. Japan's a weird place, dude. What, what can I say? But it, it gets worse, man. It gets much worse. So, Monokuma was actually involved in another similar crime a couple of years prior to this event, right? Where another group of students were trapped inside of Hope's Peak. And forced to murder each other. And that's exactly what is happening here. The new rules of the island, rather than making friends, you know, getting to know your fellow classmates, is the goal now, if you want to leave the island, you have to murder one of your classmates and get away with it. This is kind of like Saul or something. It's one of the most disturbing cases I've ever looked into. Yeah, they... they, this is, this is insane. I can't believe this. So, Monokuma takes over and explains the rules to them. And it's really simple. Like I said, if you want to leave the island, you have to commit a murder of one of your fellow classmates mm-hmm. and then get away with it. And what I mean by that is they have what are referred to as class trials. Now, we're going to go into that a little more in detail because they, they we're going to go into one more thoroughly a little later. <laughs> but... Um, the idea is that the students just get together as a panel and they discuss amongst themselves the evidence of the crime and they decide who did it. If they're wrong, then everyone dies. If, if they're right, only the murderer is punished. So this, this, this monochrome person has just set up this like sadistic game show. That's exactly what it is. It's pure insanity. I feel sick in my stomach that the teenagers are going through that. Yeah, it's disgusting. I cannot imagine being in the shoes of one of these poor kids. God, that's terrible. So, here they are on this island. Monokuma gives them this ultimatum and just fucks off, right? He, he leaves. I mean, he's still there monitoring everything they do. Oh, and by the way, something I should have mentioned... To, now, you might think, well, it's it's one mechanical bear, right? Why not just, you know, attack it, right? Yeah. The problem with that is that not only does Monokuma explode, and there seems to be some, like, like an infinite number of him. Like, you get rid of one, another one comes back. But worse than that is he apparently built, or whoever built him also built these huge, like, these giant abominations called Mono Beasts, also robots, mm-hmm. that will kill you if you try to harm Monokuma or if you try to leave. My God. They have some, like, crazy... Whoever did this has some crazy, like, robot technology. Uh, it's, like, it's Japan, man. What are you going to do? Japan's a creative place. Apparently so. Okay, so... 
the students are trying to wrap their heads around this horrific circumstance that they are now in. So they do what I would say is the most natural thing to do in a, you know, paradise hellscape of murder, right? Mm -hmm. They throw a party. Uh, Specifically. A party? They throw a party, right. Uh, Like they just feel hopeless, so they want to... The idea is uh, Byakua Togami, whose ultimate talent, by the way, is basically he's really rich. He's the ultimate heir. Right, so he's he's just loaded. Yeah, well, he's he comes from a long line of businessmen, respected mm. businessmen, wealthy, affluent. So he kind of takes charge as the leader, and he decides that a party would be a good idea. Um, now he has an ulterior motive for this that we're going to get to in a minute, but the the main motive that he gives the uh, his fellow classmates is so they can all get to know each other, right? Because you're not going to murder people that you're close to, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea to build bonds so that no one goes killing anybody. Which also has the effect of getting basically everyone in the same room together mm. at night, that's, and that's, you can imagine that's probably not gonna yeah. gonna go well. Well, yeah. So Biakua, he he takes precautions, right? They have the party at a beach house a little off from the resort. It's a little rundown, but um, one of the one of the students, uh, Nagato Kameda, actually. Uh, Loses. They draw straws to see who has to do cleaning duty to set up for the party. He loses, so he starts setting up. And um, Biakua, he takes a lot of precautions. He removes everything that could feasibly be viewed as a weapon, right? Uh, He carries a lockbox with him, uh, pats people down as they enter, and makes sure there's just, there's nothing that can, you know, the idea is just to keep anyone from getting murdered tonight, right? They're there to have a good time. Nobody wants to get murdered. I feel like I would be trying to lock myself away from everyone else at this point. Yeah, well, they all have individual, like individual rooms too. Like you could just go to your room and lock the damn door. But instead, they decide to throw a party. I, I, I would, and I have seen enough horror movies to know that, that gets people killed. Oh yeah. So it's about eleven o'clock at night, and the students are all starting to gather. Um, in fact, every student is there, with the exception of uh, Fuyahiko who is the ultimate Yakuza. Oh, my God. He's a, he's a gang member. Actually, he's technically he's a gang leader. So... Or mob mob leader, so really. he's been trained to be a leader of the Yakuza. Yeah. I yeah. can't believe they were letting and him that, in the school. Well, not only they let him in the school, that's a talent they're nurturing. Is the Yakuza that important in Japan that they would like? I suppose. I mean, I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. I mean, I can't imagine like a... Yeah, like a, mafia, a, a blood like, school, you know. Mafia or... Right. So uh, Fuyuhiko is really the only one who doesn't attend. He drops by for a minute, but he never actually goes inside. So this is about 11. Uh, mostly they're just enjoying themselves, right? Things are going as as, as you would expect for a party. Uh, the ultimate chef, Teru Teru, is prepared, has prepared the food. It's Food looks great. And you got to wonder if he's going to poison somebody. No one gets poisoned, but you're right. I would be highly skeptical, right? But, Frank, most people don't even eat the food. Now, whether that's because they were paranoid, I don't know. But most of them don't even eat it. Now, at about 11.30, most of them are gathered in the dining hall when there's a power outage. It's a complete blackout. The room is pitch black. Okay. Now, as you can expect... This blackout did not end well for anyone. Specifically for Biakua Togami. 
the man who was most invested in keeping everyone safe was found dead underneath one of the dinner tables in the back of the room. Well, if he wants to keep everybody safe, obviously he's got to be the first one to go, right? Right. This so, is terrible. This is terrible. So all these all these teenagers are now seeing a, another another dead body, another murdered person. Well, this is I see. No, this is the first person they've seen murdered. Their teacher wasn't strictly speaking a person. Uh, Usami was a uh, mechanical robot similar to Monokuma. My God, these people on the robot. I know, man. It's Japan. It's a weird place, right? So, as I said, the students have now found their fellow classmate, Byaku Togami dead underneath a table in the back of the room. Okay. Multiple stab wounds from his abdomen to his neck. It's terrible. It's horrific. And this, this begins the investigation portion. And so what I mean by that is that in this sick game that Monokuma is playing... There are three distinct phases. So anytime a, anytime a murder is committed, there is a body alert announcement uh, across the there's an intercom system across the entire island. So wherever you are, wherever you are, if there was a body found, you know about it. Okay. Uh, so a murder is committed, and then there is an investigation period. I'm assuming it's not the the police investigating. No, no, there are no police. We're, we're like demented bears. And human teenagers. Right, so it's basically someone that's... Oh, and giant robotic abominations. So someone that's a really good mechanic is having to investigate. Yes. Yeah, no, unfortunately, there are no ultimate detectives around these parts. Right, that would make it very fun for the bear, I'm assuming. Right, so, like I said, there's the murder, there's the investigation period, and then there's the class trial. Now, we'll get to the class trial in just a minute, but now we're on to the investigation. So, like you said, a bunch of uh, children... A bunch of teenage teenagers with no prior training have to investigate a murder. Okay. So they, they do the best they can. And now, look, I hate to be offensive, but to be a bunch of, like, gifted Asian kids, like, these people are pretty fucking stupid at times. So if if some of the details seem a little strange, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Well, they're teenagers, Right. Yeah, I mean, so let's, the, let's be fair. They do, their minds go strange places. So. All right. So let's uh, briefly discuss the important pieces of evidence that they found. Right. Okay. I, I wonder how well they can find evidence. though, if you don't have like a, a real police investigation, I mean, they they can't do fingerprints or anything, right? No. But uh, two things. One, they do have an ultimate nurse, so she acts as a medical examiner, sort of. Okay. Uh, Mikan uh, Sumiki. And also, um, some details that they might not have gotten otherwise, Monokuma just gives to them. So the first thing they notice is the fact that uh, Byakuya had multiple stab wounds, as I mentioned, ranging from his abdomen to his throat. We don't know what order those, uh, all stabs, we don't know what order they came in. Uh, We just know he was bleeding profusely. Uh, There was blood, Uh, there was a ton of blood, but it was all localized underneath the table. Uh, the tablecloth hanging down had caught all of the excess blood. I mean, that makes sense if he's murdered under the table and it's a long tablecloth. Right. right. Now, lying next to the body are some peculiar things. One is a knife, but it has a piece of duct tape on it. And both the knife and the duct tape 
are I have this uh, weird like glow in the dark paint substance on them, and also blood, right? Right. Uh, that that's weird, but I guess if if you need to see the knife in the dark, that does seem to be the idea. But we're going to get to that in the trial. Now, even more bizarre, right next to Biakua is a pair of night vision goggles. Well. Now, at the time, they didn't know whether they were Biakua's or if the killer had used them. Mm -hmm. They just knew they were sitting there. And so they move on to the uh, storage room. And here they find a tablecloth covered in blood. The speculation is that it was used to maybe shield the murderer from uh, blood spatter. Right. You you wouldn't think you could shield them completely, though. Uh, Probably not. But that was just the speculation at first. And we'll get to that in a bit. And in the same room, there were three irons, like you would iron a shirt with, right? Yeah, a clothing iron. All turned up to high, just on, sitting there. Blazing hot. So, that's weird. I mean, I can't think of anything unless you're going to torture someone or maybe... I don't know. Maybe if you were thinking that like he could kill DNA on something or something like that, but obviously they don't have a DNA lab here. They don't have to worry about that. That is interesting speculation. You might actually have a better idea after I tell you the next piece of evidence they found. So there were two air conditioning units, uh, one in the office, and I believe the other one was in the dining room. I could be mistaken there, but I think it was the dining area. Mm -hmm. And both of them had timers on them set to 1130. So it should should come on at 1130? Mm Mm-hmm. And there's when the power went out. Right. So maybe you're, maybe you're putting two and two together there. Right. But again, yeah. that this is just the evidence uh, gathering portion. So they also had a uh, added to evidence was a kitchen equipment list, and interestingly, the knife found next to Biakiwa's body was not on that list. So it doesn't appear to be something that was already uh, part of the kitchen utensils. All right. So we're talking about the kitchen. Um, just out of curiosity, were there any other appliances turned on in the kitchen using a lot of power? Um, I don't believe so. Uh, now the the oven was was used was being used at the time because uh, Terra Terra was cooking for everyone. Um, but I don't know exactly at that time what was on. Uh, there was an uh, an iron plate for barbecue and a portable stove as well. But I know for a fact the portable stove was not on at the time. An iron plate, like a, I'm, I'm confused, like an iron plate. Like, is that like a, a hot plate or like? I, I think it's a hot plate. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just described plate. as an iron plate. I, I, I assumed it was a hot plate, but okay. may, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. So having uh, looked over the, the cabin for as many clues as they could find, and uh, getting a couple witness statements. And, and just to be clear, most, like, I hate to say this, like, speaking of the dead, well, not dead yet, but people in this horrific circumstance, most of these kids were useless during this event. Just, just I mean, to, that's understandable. They're teenagers, like, and they don't know anything. For example, one of them, Fuyahiko, the, the, uh, the Yakuza, he didn't even come in, right? He has to come to the trial because everyone attends that. But he does nothing during the investigation. Uh but, you know, it, to his credit, he's not even there, right? But uh, Gundam Tanaka, the ultimate breeder, and that's not nearly as weird as it sounds initially. It's it's animal breeding. 
Okay. Oh my. God. Yeah. My mind was the wrong place. Well, I mean, how could it not? To be fair. Okay. So, so he like like breeds horses or, or dogs or something like that. Well, he prefers hamsters. Hamsters. Yeah. Um. He calls them the four dark divas of destruction. My goodness. I don't remember all their names. It's Jumpy. Um. Is one of them, which is actually a reference to a video game uh, series by Spike Chunsoft. Uh, the have you ever heard of the Zero Escape series? Yes. One of the main characters, at least in the initial game, and who later appears later in the other ones, is named Junpa, and he was called uh, by his friends. He was called Jumpy by his friends. That is, that's that's really weird. I, I'm still confused why he would breed him. Whatever. And maybe there's money Look, and hamster breeding in Japan. Again, Japan's a weird place, and I wouldn't I would, like. Don't think about it too hard, right? Just, uh, I wouldn't. I just, I'm just if you if you're going to get money for breeding animals, you'd think it'd be racehorses. You'd think so, but uh, just to give you an example of how useless these people are, Gundam spends the entire investigation looking for his hellhound earring. A hellhound ear? What? So. Like he, I think he was mentally ill. Like I don't, I don't want to be too harsh on him, right. but he had this. Like he thought he was a wizard or something. Because he, he could breed hamsters. I don't. I don't know what to tell you, man. Yeah, Gu- people, Gundam was a bizarre character. I guess some people that are you know really good, like a savant at some things, they I mean they have people. Like that. You know that 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 might be the case, right? And, I mean, you, it would take some kind of special brain to really like like for instance. Animal breeders to look for certain characteristics and stuff like that's a very intense thing to do. So I mean, yeah, fair, fair enough. Yeah. So, but you know, I'm just trying to give you an example of how lazy some of these people were, how useless. Okay. So he spends the entire time looking for his earring. Now he does inadvertently provide us with another interesting detail for the evidence, mm-hmm. and that's that the floor was uh, had, was had a lot of spaces between it, so that you could see down underneath the floor. Right, and that's where, board, so. yeah, and that's where he dropped the earring. Okay. So he spends the entire time looking for that. So that is basically all of the evidence, at least all the really important evidence right now from the cabin. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, all that's left are some eyewitness accounts, but we'll discuss those in the trial as they're relevant. Okay. Uh, no need to overburden you with information if you don't need to. But there was one more important piece of information that was found. Um. So Hajime and Nagato, just about the only two people worth a damn during this investigation, right. um, went to, decided to go to uh, Byakuya's room mm-hmm. uh, just to see if maybe there was any detail there they could find that would you know shine any light on the crime, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good, that's a good. And they found something interesting. It was a letter. Now I don't remember exactly what it said verbatim, but the gist of it was very clear. It was very simple. There will be a murder tonight. Someone will definitely die tonight. And this also explains why he was so adamant about having this party. He wanted everyone together in one place so he could keep an eye on everyone. So that was the ulterior. the letter. Yes. So he didn't like write that and leave it. No, no, no. Someone else sent that letter to him. Okay. Which is why he was so paranoid. Right. Um, I just thought, I have not seen a picture of Biakua. Could you... So, um, because they're minors, all we have are artist renditions. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Japan's weird about stuff. Like, they censor a lot of stuff. Uh, if, if you'll Google uh, Nagito Kameda, 
or okay. uh, just any of the the people involved. Okay, you won't find their real pictures, but you will find some some artist renditions. Okay, okay, good. I'll... So with that last piece of evidence, uh, the investigation period draws to a close. Okay. Now it is time to journey deep into the, I forget what the mountain's called. Like a mountain literally opens up with an escalator that they go into for the trial. This is like Bond villain stuff right here. man. Like, I'm telling God. you. Okay, so let me once again, just real quick, go over how the class trial works, okay. right? So the the students talk amongst themselves. It's pretty simple. They talk amongst themselves and they decide who the guilty party is. They... They offer evidence, they give rebuttals, that sort of thing. There's no, uh, just to be clear, it's not like a trial, like a formal trial. Nobody's on a stand. There are no prosecutors or defense attorneys. It's just in a circle. They, they gather in a circle and they just talk. Okay. And they decide who did it. If the killer gets away with it, the killer lives, gets to leave. If they pick the wrong killer, they all die. So those are the stakes going into this. So you can imagine... Somebody's going to die. Well, yeah. Again, if somebody died, somebody else is going to die. It's the way it works. Because the murderer has to die. Two, two deaths there, already. There is one punishment. It is the death penalty. Two deaths already, and we're going to get another one unless someone saves them. Well, if you count mechanical bunny rabbits... I guess you're right. But, it's still their but teacher, I mean, it's still their teacher, so... So moving on. So just I just wanted to give you a, just a quick rundown about how the trials work. So the first question, so basically the way they do this is they, they mostly just ask questions and try to come to to agreements on the answer. So the first question they, they consider is, uh, why was Biakua underneath the table? Which is, is reasonable, right? right. Uh, now I don't, don't, don't know if I mentioned this at the time, but right before the power outage, the blackout, Biakia was on the other side of the room. He was about as far away from this table as you could possibly get. Um, now, the answer that they come to, um, that, that they, they think is probably correct, he was there to get the knife. So they think he was going to murder someone? Well, they think he was going for the knife. They're not sure yet, right? Okay. So it's like he hid the knife with the glow-in-the-dark so we could find it. Well, here we go. Because okay. the next question is, how did he know the knife was there? It's the obvious question. Oh, right? he would have had it hidden. Okay, so yeah, right. Did he know about it before the blackout? Okay. Right. Uh, maybe he hid it there. Now, him hiding it there is more plausible, but him just knowing about it seems really unlikely. I mean, yeah, considering uh, he was confiscating anything that appeared to be a weapon, right? Exactly. And there's nothing in the letter about there's going to be a knife under the table. Right. Not, so. so, the only possibility is that he must have noticed it during the blackout. Uh, likely when the killer went for it. Okay, that, that, that makes sense. But, of course, how did he see all that in the middle of a blackout? That's, that's an important question to consider, Someone right? Someone has a night vision goggles. There you go. I was just about to say, there's an important piece of evidence that maybe you've, you've cottoned on to. But the, the reason they weren't absolutely certain about this is because they weren't sure who was actually wearing the goggles. So was it the killer wearing the goggles, or was it Biakua? Now, it was probably that, that almost certainly they decided it was Biakua's, that, that they belonged to Biakua, because uh, you remember I told you about the lockbox he had with him? Mm-hmm. Inside of that lockbox was actually a case for a pair of night vision goggles. 
So he had them locked up and hidden. Yeah, it seems that the lights went out, and he immediately reached for the goggles because he'd gotten a letter saying someone was going to die. Mm-hmm. What better time than during the blackout, right? So it seems he immediately reached for his goggles, put them on, saw someone else reaching for the knife. Right. And then went to stop them. That's what it's looking like well, so far. Now that I think about it, it wouldn't make sense that you would need, um, like, for, okay, so there's glow in the dark stuff on the knife, right? Right. If you have glow in the dark goggles on, you don't need to, that glow in the dark stuff. That's a, it's a good point. It's one that the students never really consider, but that's a good point. Yeah. And I have to wonder how good the, the, the excuse me, the night vision goggles were. Like, I actually have some, um, some, they're sharper image, but it's like, a little light binoculars like you can see at night like you can see deer and stuff across the road it's pretty cool but okay. I don't know I, I mean I don't I, they were a gift. I don't know how expensive this stuff is I don't know how hard it is to find stuff like that I don't know how good they get though. well you also have to remember that the knife was underneath the tablecloth so it's not like he could see through the tablecloth right that's a good point. So he couldn't have even seen the knife. It was under the table. It wasn't until taped under the table. Oh, oh I guess it was saying. taped table. underneath the table. But the table and the tablecloth was hanging over it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So uh, it's a little unclear exactly. Like it seems to be the case that he saw someone else reaching for the knife and went for it. Right. Um, but there, there's some ambiguity there. Now they they move on from there. Uh, from the, the next question they consider is where did the knife come from? Right. If it wasn't part of the kitchen. Yeah. Exactly. It wasn't on the kitchen equipment list, and it didn't appear to come from Bianchi's case. So it looks as though, considering it was duct taped to the bottom of the table, it looks as though someone introduced it um, intentionally without him knowing, right? Because he was he was checking, patting everyone down. So someone was able to get this knife in without his knowledge. And able to put it under the table that anyone else see. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get to that in a minute because there are only a few people who could have done that. So the next question they they considered, we've kind of already discussed. It was, how did Biakuin know the knife was there if he didn't plant it himself, right? Because it was hidden, again, it was underneath the tablecloth or underneath the table. And that was guarded, that was blocked by the tablecloth. Um, so even with the night vision goggles, he couldn't have seen it until someone raised it up, right? Okay. Um, so it, it seems likely uh, that he saw someone go for it and then tried to stop them. That's the most reasonable explanation thus far, at least according to them, right? Okay. You agree or disagree thus far? No, that makes sense. Okay. So, a question that you've probably already considered, that's this. Um, you know, they decided that Biakibar had the goggles, right? Not the killer. Well, how did the killer navigate in the dark? That's, I mean, when the power went out. Yeah, how did the killer get back to the table? Right. And were there other like obstacles? Or were there other tables in the room that have to get around, or could they, you know? I mean, would it, it have been hard to find? There table? were other tables. Okay, so you probably run into something trying to find. Something. Right. Well, so the, the the idea they have is that the glow in the dark paint. Obviously, we know this already, but it was used as a marker for the for the killer, right? Uh, now this raises an interesting question though, because if the killer used glow in the dark tape a paint. Well, doesn't that imply that uh, he or she already knew that the power was going to go out? Right. Why else would you use the paint if you didn't know that? But it seems that Biakua knew that too. I don't know that Biakua did know that. I think Biakua just responded very quickly because of how high strung he was. 
Because, I mean, remember, he'd already gotten that letter. He was there to keep an eye on everybody. Right. And when the lights went out, he put his goggles on immediately and saw someone doing something shady as shit. Oh, that, that, I guess that makes sense. So we're saying whoever the killer was is the one that turned on all the stuff. Had to have caused the blackout. Caused the blackout. But what caused the blackout? Well, have I you mean, put that piece together yet? Well, obviously, it's he, he overloaded the... So the first thing they consider is that maybe because there's a circuit breaker in the office, Mm -hmm. but it's too high up. It doesn't seem like anyone could have reached it. And apparently they don't have uh, uh, stepping stools uh, in Japan at all. So this this circuit breaker was just completely like it may have well not as existed. Well, do you need to be able to get to it? I mean, he just turned all the stuff on to overload it. I mean, so that that seems to be the case because we have he couldn't get to it to turn it off. Right, right. Or she. Well, so um, the ultimate swordswoman, Peko Pekoyama, actually comes under a little bit of suspicion here because... Swords. Swordswoman. Swordswoman. Yes, but... I think it's kendo or something. She carries a kendo stick with her. a lot of sword play in Japan? I don't really know. Like I said, dude, Japan's a weird place. Uh, her talent. She's it's her talent, place. right? <laughs> that they were nurturing at Hope's Peak. So, because she was actually supposed to be in the office on uh, guard duty, mm-hmm. uh, but it turns out that she had had like some stomach cramps and had to go to the bathroom, which is corroborated by um, another account from someone who was trying to go to the bathroom all night and it was locked. Okay. So, and like, like I said, the, the, the circuit breaker was just too high up on the wall. She couldn't have reached it. No one could have. So, which, of course, you've already put it together. The killer intentionally cut the irons on and then set the, the, timer the timers the, on the, the air conditioners so they would they would flip the breaker. Right. It's pretty okay. simple. Yeah. I wonder if they had tested this before to see if they would do that. So, we find out a little later that uh, the person who did this, uh, which we'll get to in a bit, actually uh, asked Monokuma what the power limit was. And got that piece of information. Uh, that's was this an ultimate electrical engineer? Well, no, because all we have really the closest thing we have to that is an ultimate mechanic, and he is not the murderer in this case. You, you would think the ultimate mechanic could get like all these robots. Can the mechanic not you know take them apart or disable them or something? Well, yeah, but you'd have to do that with not only Monokuma but the Mono Beast as well. So you need someone really sneaky too. You need somebody with a death wish. Like you should Google these things. There, there are images of those things. I'm not sure if I want to see them. I'm pretty terrified of. You know, yeah, I don't blame Soda for not uh, Kazuichi for not dealing with how the. How big are they? Oh, like the size of buildings. I hate huge things. Like we're talking like Metal Gear Rex here. Okay. That's scary. All right. So just to recap real quick. Um, Thus far, they believe that the killer uh, intentionally caused the power outage, right, the blackout, and that when that happened, uh, Biakua, who was paranoid from the letter he received, uh, responded by putting on his night vision goggles, and when he noticed whoever the killer was uh, heading for the knife, he went to intercept him, and, and at some point during this died. Now, the question here, though, that they turn their, that they turn to, is now that they had the blackout settled, right? What caused it? Mm-hmm. 
Um, the question was, how could the killer have navigated to the correct table in the dark? Now, remember, that we say the glow-in-the-dark tape. Well, that was a marker for the knife, but the tablecloth, it was underneath. And if there's other tables or something in the room, it would be hard to get around those. So if you look at a layout of the room, there was a lamp on top of that of the table that Biakia was killed, under which Biakia was killed. But the lamp wasn't still on. No, no, the lamp was off. Of course, it was a blackout. But the the students came to the conclusion that whoever it was had followed the cord from the lamp to the table. Wow, that's so. It's brilliant. It's a uh, it's smart thing. You have to crawl around. Well, the the idea was that they stood up and just. That's a lot of power cord. Lamp. I just I wouldn't think too much about it, Dan. I wouldn't wouldn't put too much thought into it. Uh, you're right. It, like Japan, they probably have different kind of. Right, right. So now the obvious question is, who could have done this? Right, who was in the right location to have done this? Well, I mean, I I don't know if there is there any way to tell where everyone's standing in the power. Lamp? Actually, yes, because the ultimate photographer had taken pictures all night. And she actually, uh, Mahiru, uh, drew a diagram with everyone's location in the room. Oh, well, that's and really handy, actually. Once you look at that, it's very clear who could have followed the cable to the knife. And unfortunately, that is Nagato Kameda, the only other useful human being during the investigation period. It was helped, yeah. Outside of Hinata. What, what's his talent? Pardon? What's Nagato's He is the ultimate lucky student. Well, it doesn't seem too lucky to me at this point. Uh, luck is his talent. He's really lucky. You know, I, some like Asian cultures, I guess Japan, they, they believe so much in luck a lot of times. Like it's a, almost a tangible thing to them, you know? Like, I guess well, with Nagato, it does seem to be tangible. Like it seems yeah. to be something he can actively control. I've always... I, I don't know. I've just always wondered because some, they're like, I guess I say that about about Asian culture, but man, there are a lot of people here in this country, especially the area of country we live in, mm-hmm. that believe in luck. Yeah, like yeah. So, and and Nagato makes a lot of sense too, not just because of his luck, um, because remember, he was on cleaning duty. Hmm. So he could have planted the knife while he was cleaning. While he was cleaning. And presumably... Biakua never would have seen it to confiscate. Yeah. If he's lucky, I would have just, I mean, if his luck's real, if he thinks he believes in his luck, I would have killed him. I just tried to ride my luck. Right, right. Now, you have to understand that no one wanted Nagato to be the killer. Right. Right. Like I said, up to this point, he was the friendliest, most helpful member of the class. Right. But when he's questioned, um, Hajime particularly, is wanting him to defend himself, right? He does not want this to be true because they, they've gotten pretty close at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than defend himself, Nagato starts laughing like a madman. Goes from zero to crazy. Did he start monologuing? Well, sort of. Uh, yeah, actually starts rambling on about hope and despair. Like some real creepy ass shit. Like basically, from this point on, the best way to describe Nagato is like a weird combination of like a demented cheerleader 
and a malignant tumor. My God. So was he the one that was controlling the, the robots? We'll get to that. Okay. Well, actually, we probably won't get to that because we're just discussing this murder. Right, okay. But I, I look, like, I don't want to, because this case is so interesting, like, figuring out the mystery of it all. Like, I don't want to just, like, ruin the whole story for anybody that might be interested in reading about it themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe we do a whole series on this one, Fisher. I, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot to these, though. Right. So, now, after, so Nagato goes, like I said, zero to crazy. Yeah. Got some crazy eyes going on. Like, the guy that we thought we knew, apparently, or the guy that they thought they knew, had checked out completely. And, well, while he's rambling about hope and despair, he basically confesses. Uh, He explains how he left the note for Biakua, telling him that there would be a murder tonight, uh, and actually used his luck to make sure, because you remember, he, he lost, lost, when they drew straws for who had to do cleaning duty, mm. he used his luck. He used his luck. His that if you tangible the luck thing before. I might put this together. Right, right, right. Well, I, that's kind of why I didn't. Right. Yeah. Dead giveaway. Dead, right, dead giveaway. Giveaway. I mean, when you have, when you have tangible luck, right? Right. That that can be apparently controlled at a whim. So he he confesses. You got into yourself into the situation if you had that. Right. Well, that seems fair. Well, no, Barry. This is all deliberate. He wants all of this. So he wants to be, and he wants to be on the top. His like he claims during his rambling nonsense that he wants the class to have to overcome the despair of their friend's death. So this is all for them to work together and to achieve something great. Like he's obsessed with the idea of ultimates working together. Like I said, he, he's a nut job. So he confesses to being the one who left the note for Biakua, used his luck to get the cleaning duty, uh, and set up the blackout to happen at exactly 1130. So uh, it seems like an open and shut case. Um, he went for the knife, just like he planned. Uh, not exactly sure who he was going to kill, but he was going to murder someone. And... Biakua, but what he didn't account for throughout this plan was Biakua's night goggles, right? So Biakua saw him reaching for the knife, went to stop him, and presumably was stabbed to death. Okay. However, there are two glaring problems with this theory. One, as Mikon, the ultimate nurse, points out, uh, you know, she's the one that examined the body, right? Okay. Our makeshift medical examiner. Well, she determined that the murder weapon was no more than five millimeters in diameter. In other words, the knife, the bloody knife, couldn't have been the murder weapon. They trying to get bloody. Well, it was in the blood that it was still underneath the table. Okay. No, that makes sense. And remember, he was still reaching for it when he was stopped. Okay. Yeah. So it was on the ground next to, uh, next to Biakua. Okay. And two... And what should have been pretty obvious to everyone, Nagato was in the room the entire time and he had no blood on it. I was thinking about that myself. He would have blood all over him. Yeah. Yeah. So Nagato was squeaky clean. So he's just but, lying about having murder? I mean, and remember, just think about that for a second. He knows what happens if they convict the wrong person. Wait, does he get to go free? No. They, no, the only you have to commit a murder and get away with it. Everybody dies if if they pick the wrong person. He knows what's going to happen here. So he just wants to 
Basically, he's just trying to get everyone killed. So uh, the the idea is either they'll overcome the despair of their friend's death with hope, or they'll die. This is so sick. I can't I mean, believe someone did this to these kids. I, I know. And like, it's bad enough that you've got like a a maniac like robotic bear running around like a psychopath. But now the some of the kids seem to be pretty far out there too, right? Like this kid's obviously a psychopath. Unless he's a robot too. He's not, unfortunately. Because honestly it would make more sense if he were a robot at right. times. Given his emotional depth. So it's pretty clear that despite his confession, Nagato Nagato can't be the killer. So it looks like the students are back to square one, right? So they did what you always do when you're back to square one, right? You go back to basics. They re-examined the uh, crime scene and they made a breakthrough. They determined that the killer likely murdered Biakua from underneath the floor. From underneath the floor? Yeah. So were there, the, I know there was space between the floor, but were the floorboards loose? No. So you're wondering how they determine that, right? Yeah. So, have you ever played Hangman? Yeah. Well, there you go. I understand. Well, they play the game of Hangman, and the solution was under the floor. Oh, so someone left them a clue, like the Hangman clue. No, no, not, not so much. More like a... No, they just played Hangman, and the solution was under the floor. Wow, so it's like a, a Ouija board scene. No, no. To be fair, as as I mean, look, I don't I don't know exactly how the criminal justice system works in Japan, but I'm pretty sure like Hangman's a pretty important part of it. I mean, it couldn't be any worse than like how our juries determine guilt sometimes, right? That was harsh. I, I know, but it's true, right? So I'm not going to be too hard on the Japanese people here. So the floor, of course, did have spaces, right? So there was room to fit this sharp object. Okay. And because of the hangman game, we know that the killer was under the floor. That's the conclusion that has been reached at this point. Oh, okay. I still don't understand. What, how did they get him to lay down so they could stab him? He was already on the ground, right? He had... Oh, because he was fighting with... Well, so what happened is this. Uh, we find out from Nagato... Um, that, or I'm sorry, yeah, we find out from Nagato that when he went for the knife, Biakua actually pushed him out from under the table and landed there himself. So Biakua is underneath the table, stomach first. Pro, I think, I think rock I target. Is, I think I know who the killer is. Do what? I think I know who the killer is if that, was, if that really happened. Do you? Yeah. It's obvious. Okay, let me, let me hear. It was the Yakuza. Yakuza. He wasn't there. That's a that's a good guess. It's a really good guess. You're not correct. Oh my! But it, but it's a good guess. It's a good uh, guess. It's like this is like a a, a murder mystery novel here. It makes no sense. It, it doesn't. But the killer will make sense when, when we get to it. Okay. I am. I I cannot wait. And, and again, then you're like, like I'll be honest, buddy. I, like, I'm a little disappointed at how excited you seem to be right now because like these are. These are people's right. lobs we're talking right. about. You're very right. It's just I'm so involved in this at this point. I mean, I understand. Like, it's it's 
Like these these people, I mean, these were real living, breathing human beings with with futures. So, so where, where were we? Where were we? Uh, the the young wasn't the killer. Okay, so right, so the uh, I, I mentioned that the spaces in the floor meant that the uh, that an object that size, the five millimeters, probably could fit through it for the stabbing. Right. And uh, you remember I mentioned that uh, useless Gundam Tanaka, the ultimate breeder was um, looking for his earring. Well, it turns out that he found a secret compartment that led to, that led underneath the floor inside of the storage room. Wow. This is how he got his earring back because he has it back on for the trial. He does? Yes. So maybe he lost the earring while he was... Well, I, that's a reasonable guess, I think, okay. Dan. But so, so if the killer stabbed Biakua from underneath the floor, like they're assuming right now, right? Mm-hmm. This raises two important questions. One, how did they navigate to the hidden passage? Right, because this is in the storage room. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is all from the dining room. Uh, and how did they know where to stab to kill Biakua? It's pitch black, right? That's a good point. So let's start with the first question. Uh, so when they looked at the evidence list, one item stuck out, and that was the portable stove. And it didn't require electricity. What was that, like a little gas stove? It was a little gas stove. Okay. Um, their, their conclusion was that someone used the portable stove as a light source to find, uh, to get to the hidden compartment, to get underneath the floor. Okay. That's something that'll help you see who's on the other side of the floor. Well, we'll get to that. It wasn't powered by electricity, and it was small enough to carry around. Okay. Uh, Now, the answer to the second question isn't immediately obvious until we learn something else that Gundam forgot to mention. And that's that when he was underneath the floor searching for his hellhound earring, there was a small amount of glow-in-the-dark paint right beneath where Biakio was murdered. Like this was actually on, like it looked like the floor was marked in an area, which was right underneath where the table was. And would this create enough illumination to be able to see to stab someone? Well, that, so that appears to be how they found the spot, but they didn't even need to know who they were killing, right? Because the idea was they were watching, so the the idea was what the students think right now, right? Is that they used that mark on the underneath the floor to determine where they needed to be, where the table was. And they all they had to do was wait until the knife moved mm-hmm. to know they could stab someone. Okay. So you could see the glow dark knife through the Right. The it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I, I don't it just seems like there's just so much that could go wrong with that. I don't know. And like what, Dan? I don't see any flaws in that plan. Personally, I don't know. What if, what if, you know, you ended up not being able to see? And you know what? You know what? What if the person's not laying on the ground when they touch the knife? What if, you know? Well, how else would you get the knife without laying down belly first, Dan? 
I mean, how else would you get enough from underneath the table well, without without going completely back. underneath it? You have to look at it. Well, I mean, uh, let's also remember that a man lost his life here, Dan. So maybe it could have gone different ways, but this is how it happened. And I think we should treat that with the gravity it deserves. I understand. I will. I will not. Okay. I just. I will not call. I just. I don't want us to be accused of being irreverent. I understand. understand. Okay. So as the students, at least as the students understand it right now, their theory is that the little smudge of paint underneath the floor marked the location that the killer was going to be. Right. Okay. That showed them where the table was. And from there, all they had to do was watch the the paint on the knife and tape to see when the knife came undone so they knew where to stab. So this person's trying to kill the killer. Yes. Well, we, we figured that out here in just a minute. They didn't actually know that at the time. Um, I mean, it's a fair assumption mm-hmm. just because, you know, how did you know the body was going to be there? Well, someone else knew that someone was going to kill someone. Else. Right. So... Have you figured out who did it yet, Dan? Because before we go any further, this is the point where the culprit starts to become obvious in the case. Well, if it's not a little hamster breeder, I don't know. Well, there's only one person whose whereabouts are unaccounted for. Well, we already talked about the the um well, the but opposite. but Fuyahiko's whereabouts aren't really important because he stopped by for a second, but he left. So it's the cook. And uh, maybe. And the ultimate gamer, Chiaki Nanami, was outside, and she spoke to Fuyahiko, and she saw him leave, and he never came back. Okay. So the Yakuza is out. Gundam, there's just no evidence that he had anything to do with it. We know he lost his earring, and he explained how he found it, right? And he also gave us that one piece of evidence, the... Well, two pieces of evidence that the he noticed that the floors were too were spread out too far, and he found the paint when he went underneath to get the earring. Well, sir, in the U.S., he would probably be prosecuted. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. Don't need don't need the evidence here. So there's only one person uh, whose whereabouts are unaccounted for, and who had access to the portable stove. Ultimate. And fourth time's the charm, Dan. The ultimate chef, Teru Teru. Now, in his defense, the the first thing he raises, so Ibuki, uh, remember I mentioned her earlier, the ultimate musician? So she has perfect recall of sounds that she hears. And she distinctly remembers, and this is kind of a big problem for the Teru Teru theory, she distinctly remembers that Teru Teru spoke during the blackout. Well, that doesn't seem to affect. I mean, you could still speak with those holes in the floorboard that big. Exactly, them, right? and it's not much of a defense, right? Because with the spaces in the floor, he exactly. could speak in the he could speak underneath the floor, and it sounded just like he was in the room. Yeah. So it seemed like he was trying to give himself an alibi. No, I believe I don't remember exactly what he said, but I think the quote was something like, uh, "I thought the blackout was only in the kitchen," because his story was that he that. Uh, the blackout happened when he was in the kitchen right. and that he made his way towards the dining room because he thought maybe the blackout was just localized to that area. But how did he make his way there if it was dark? He said that he felt along the wall. But here's the but thing. he actually felt his way, found his way with the portable stove to the storage room. That seems to be the case, yes. 
But see, and here's how we know this, because the most important piece of evidence against him, and I don't think I mentioned this earlier. So when the blackout happened, uh, when the lights came back on, the ultimate nurse, Mikon, was in, let's say, an indecorous pose. She had fallen in such a way that undergarments were showing, right? Like, like, like something out of like an anime or something, right? Right. And Teru Teru, something important you should know about him is that he's kind of a horrific pervert. You see, uh, he was constantly making inappropriate, overly sexual comments, both to the male and female classmates, his male and female classmates. Uh, there's even evidence that he occasionally would drug people and try to take advantage of them. Well, you know, if you are a chef, you have opportunity to do that. Right. So Watch out. If you don't trust the people cooking your food, just, just be aware. Yeah. They can do that. So he's not a good guy, Terry Terry. Right. No, I, I understand. I mean, it seems as though there may have been a rape or two in his past, as horrific as that is to say. So, obviously, a, a pervert like him, if he had seen that, he would know the pose she was in. And that's exactly how Hajime gets him. He asks him to describe the pose that Mikan was in when the lights came on. That is... That Brilliant is, is the word you're looking for. I, 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 cannot, I cannot agree with that. I do not think that would hold up in a court of law here in the States. I mean... Given the shit that holds up in a court of law in the States, maybe that's not the... It's scary. It's the, scary to hold up. So, I mean, I think open and shut, right? The pervert didn't know that the hot nurse had fallen in a compromised position. Well, I think you have more evidence that that the the chef had access to the stove and I mean, let's wasn't be, present. Well, just to be fair, they thought this was a big deal at the trial. Okay. Um, I feel like... Because it seems like something he absolutely would remember, given his history. It, just, it seems to me that if, if the chef did commit this crime, he had to be working with the lucky person, the lucky student. We're going to get to that. Okay. So, his last-ditch defense, after he didn't know what pose Mekon was in... Um was to point out that we hadn't identified the murder weapon. Right? Because it wasn't the knife. The knife's too big. It didn't fit the roughly five millimeter in diameter holes in Biocula. So what you would do in this situation is go back and find the list of kitchen equipment and see if anything's missing. Well, look at the big brain on Dan, because that's exactly what they did. And they discovered that an iron skewer was missing, was not included in the, yeah, was not found with the kitchen equipment. Was it roughly the correct size? Yes. And the presumption is uh, Hajime figures out that he probably hid it inside of his main course, which was a giant slab of meat. He, did he put it back in there after or did he just get it out of the slab of meat? He clearly put it back because Monokuma brings this, uh, the meat in and pulls it out. I hope no one ate it. 
it didn't look like anyone had eaten any until Monokuma got around to it. So I think we're good there. Well, I guess that makes sense because if they had eaten any of it, it would have been before the whole incident. And then... But it's it's kind of sad because Teru does turn out to be the killer, right? You know, and now he is a sick pervert. Poisoned. It's a good question. But you mentioned that you thought he had to be working with the with Nagato, yeah, right? Yeah, because he would have known this was going to happen. And so, which one of them planned the blackout? So here's the thing: Nagato planned that. So, Tara Tara was cooking for the fee, for the party, right? And Nagato was cleaning up. Well, Tara Tara happened to see Nagato planting the knife, and he confronts him. And Nagato just tells him exactly what he's planning to do. Yeah, I'm planning on killing somebody tonight. Tells him the plan. So Tara Tara comes up with his own plan to kill Nagato before he can hurt anybody. Now, here's the thing. Before you think that's too noble, remember that, as Monokuma points out, Taro Taro knows what happens if he gets away with this murder. Yeah, so he can say, he, he, right, he can say he's trying to save people mm-hmm. from, from Nagato. But does that really hold up, considering if he gets away with it, everyone that he was trying to save dies? Exactly. Seems like Nagato's the real mastermind because he probably knew Terra Terra would Nagato see him. Nagato is the real mastermind. He, he knew Terra Terra would see him and knew he'd try to come after him. He manipulated this entire event. And so as horrible a person as Terra Terra is, um, he does have a sick mom or had a sick mom. And he wanted to get back to her to take care of her. And I think I can understand the the urge to do what he did. Well, it doesn't doesn't make what he did right. But then again, in this kind of situation, right? I mean, you have to remember that these kids are they're in an impossible situation. Like they're they're told they have to murder someone and get away with it. Is it supposed to be that only one can actually leave at the end? Like you have to keep murdering until um, they murder until Monokuma says it's enough. And when is the, the crazy robot going to say it's enough? It's a good question, Dan. Usually when there's about four of them left, roughly. Is that what happened? To- That's what happened in the prior incident that I mentioned. I cannot I believe it was four. that, was there some media cover-up? People actually sent their children to the school after that happened? Yeah, I mean, well, it's still a prestigious university. What are you, you going to do? Not send your kid to the to the gifted program? I mean, just because, like, you know, there was, like, some murder and stuff? I'll I mean, be honest with you, I don't know how it works in Japan, but around here, if we didn't have to pay tuition. Probably send them. I mean, we have school shootings. People still go to school. I'm just saying. It's, I mean, is, is that it I mean, costs so much to go to school here? Can we really judge? I mean, is that really much worse than like mechanical bears forcing kids into like murder games? It seems pretty terrible both ways. Yeah, both are pretty bad. So I think it's like that. I think it's just like cost benefit, right? Like, what are the odds that your child will be one of like 16 kids who are trapped on a Desert Island, you know. Well, after this second incident, I'd say pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Fair enough. Pretty good odds. So, the thing is, there's way more to this story, right? This was the first murder. I think there's a total of five, maybe four. I, I forget. Uh, I, I'd have to go back and read the the court documents again. Um. So, I, I mean, I really just picked this one to talk about because, honestly, it was one of the more coherent. Murders, right. as, as sad as that may sound. I understand, yeah, because I can imagine with a group of kids in this 
terrible situation. How insane! Like if you thought Nagato's plot plan here was was diabolical, later on in this horrific, fucked up game they're playing, he stages another. He stages his own death. I say stage. Like he literally lets Thanks. himself die. No, he, he no, died. he does not fake his death. He allows himself to be killed as part of his plot. Just to make sure everyone else dies. Oh my goodness. He tries to create a genuinely unsolvable murder. I'm really intrigued by this. I, I'm going to look this case up. So He actually tricks one of them into killing him. Insane. Like I said, man, it's it's a it's disturbing yeah. all the way. I was not it's actually, disturbing all the way around. I was not familiar with this particular case. I, now I was familiar with the first incident at the school. Right, right. Yeah, you've probably seen that on the news. Yeah, I, I'd seen the first incident. This one, you know, I just vaguely heard about. I didn't know much about it. Right. I, it's in, it's terrible. It is so. Terrible. It is horrific. No questions. No question. But, um, look, folks, I, I know this has been a dark episode, and I'm, I'm sorry to put this on you. Um, but that that's really the end of the story. I mean, I just don't know what else to say. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it, it hurts. It's, it feels like it's We should shut up now. We should. We'd like to thank you for listening to Fact and Suspicion. Mm-hmm. And if you have enjoyed this episode or any of our other content, we'd love for you to reach out to us on on Twitter at AnSuspicion or through uh, email at factandsuspicion at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell a friend about us, and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thanks for watching.